From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Today we actually come to the end of our Good Father series. We've been in this series uh, uh, for a few weeks now. Um, And next week we're going to start a new series that I'm looking forward to called First Things First. We're going to look at all the firsts in the Bible and look at why those firsts are important for us today. But before we do, we're going to close this series. We, this series we started uh, four weeks ago, and it, we began with, with this idea that there's a way in which God wants us to think of when we think about him. There's a way in which God wants us to think when we think about him, and that is as father, as father. And not just any father, but a loving, present, available, forgiving father. And a father who disciplines, not because he is frustrated with you and because he's losing his temper, but a God who disciplines out of love and for the purpose of of you being made into his likeness. We looked at, Pastor Mitch shared last week as well, that a father that names you, son and daughter, you are adopted into his royal family, that he redefines your story. He redefines your story, gives you a new identity in him. And this was all inspired, this series was inspired by a quote by A.W. Tozer, who's a, a pastor, thinker, and writer in the 1900s, early 1900s. Um, he said this, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And it's important because what we think about God shapes us. It shapes us. It shapes how, how we relate to God. It defines our relationship with God. Hello, there's some lights. It, it defines our lives. How we live our lives are are defined by what we think about God. And this morning, I want to look briefly at one final story in the scriptures to illustrate one final facet of the good father, and that is provider. Look at somebody and say, provider, provider. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 22. Um, If you do not have a Bible, you're here this morning, maybe you're a guest, or maybe you've been hanging out with us for a while, or maybe you've been around for a long time, but you just don't have a Bible. Well, we have one for you, so make sure you find someone with a name tag. There's probably some guys at the back that can get, look, there's a guy right there. He's waving right there. Find that guy in the nice blue shirt or that guy in the nice black shirt, and they will give you a Bible because it's important. It's incredibly important to have one of those of your own. It's God's word. He speaks to us through it, and we're going to look at it this morning, um, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1, but just before we do it, let's pray one last time. Father, we thank you. I thank you that we can gather this morning freely, Lord, in this country, God, worship you, God, celebrate you, Lord, and look at your word. And I pray that as we look at your word, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you speak to every single heart in this place, God, regardless of their journey, God, upbringing, past, God, experience, I pray that you'd speak in a way that changes and transforms. Your word says that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word. And so in the name of Jesus, God, would you change us and increase our faith this morning. As we look in Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis chapter 2, it's a little, 22, it's a little lengthy, but just, I think it might be on the screen as well, maybe, possibly. Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. 
He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the word, the wood for the burnt offering. He placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, I imagine he said it like that. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. I want to take you back to when I was a kid, uh, somewhere around the age of 12. I had been saving my allowance for weeks and weeks and weeks. How many of you guys got an allowance growing up? Some of you are like, my allowance was just food on the table, right, and a roof over my head. <laughs> what is this allowance in these generations? Well, I got an allowance, but I had to work for my allowance. I had to work hard for it because if I wanted something, I had to work for it. And so I had been working hard and saving my allowance because I wanted to buy this video game. I was into video games as a kid. I wanted to buy this video game that I had been anticipating for weeks and weeks. And I was around the age when, like, video games were just starting to get, take off, like, really take off. Like, better ones were coming out, like Super Nintendo and stuff. And so I was anticipating this game and I, for, for months, and I wanted it. So I'd been saving my allowance for weeks and weeks and weeks, busting my bum to do whatever I could, doing chores and everything. How many of you guys did chores when you were a kid? right? I don't like chores. My kids don't like chores. It's funny, my five-year-old, we're already at, starting to get him in, used to doing chores and things around the house, and he does not like chores. It's, uh one of those things, and I just smile because I'm like, buddy, it's just getting started. <laughs> it's just getting started. Just wait, just wait. Uh, I literally say, I, I literally do that exact thing, and I think, you know, as a parent, I, as much as I know that I'm teaching responsibility and work ethic, I really just think it's free labor, right? Like, I've, I've figured this out, like, I don't need to do all these things anymore because I have, I have slaves. <laughs> just kidding. I don't call them that. It's a joke. It's a joke. Don't call anyone to my house, please. Um, so I worked for it. I did chores, and I worked to save, save my allowance so that I could get this, this game, and the day came. And I remember as a, as a kid feeling so excited. The day was here. I had saved all this money. I had enough money. And my parents, proud of my effort, popped me in the car, and they took me to the store where I could purchase this game. And so I run through the store. You know, you find the, the rack where it's hanging on the rack. I don't even remember what game it is, to be honest. And I grab the game off the rack, and I take it to the clerk, and she scans it. And the price, the total price that comes up was not the same as the tag was not the same as what was advertised. I didn't think about the tax. Nobody told me about tax, <laughs> right? That you have to include tax. And I don't remember what tax was back then, but it was more than I had enough money for. 
And I remember as, a, as a, I think it was around, you know, 11 or 12, feeling so disappointed. I remember feeling so disappointed because I'd worked so hard and it had been weeks and weeks and weeks. And my heart just sank and my face sank and it was just like someone punched me in the gut. And I happened to look over and my dad was about 20, maybe 25 feet away watching. My mom was with me with the clerk. And he just gave a nod to my mom as if to say, make it happen. Now, I know this story isn't a big deal, but that is seared in my brain. Seared in my brain. Because when you're a kid, the small things are big things, right? Like, like things that don't really seem to matter in life matter more than they, they probably should. And I remember on that day that my dad provided for me. I remember on that, that, that day that my, my dad made a way. Can I just say, dads in the room, do small things. The small things you do and the things you don't do actually matter. So be aware of that because this, this is literally, I, I, can, I, can, I can almost imagine what he's wearing because he wore the same thing almost every day, like a fanny pack. And he had these, he had these running, yeah, they're coming back. Don't worry, they're coming back. And he had these running shoes that he, once he wore them out, he'd buy the exact same pair again. But it was seared in my brain because my dad provided for me in this moment. And I imagine that Abraham, this guy that we read about in this story, felt similarly when God provided for him right at the last moment. Right at the last moment, he's about to kill his son as a sacrifice because God asked him to do it. He's got the knife in his hand, and just as he raises it to slay his son, God comes through at the last minute with the provision. The last minute with the provision. An incredible story where God reveals to Abraham and also subsequently to Isaac, who was there, that he is a a provider. If you don't know who Abraham is, Abraham is the, the forefather of the Hebrew people, of the Jews, and ultimately of the Christian faith. And Abraham first shows up in the scriptures and the stories of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. He shows up where God calls this man, Abram, at the time, to leave his country, to leave his homeland, to leave his house, his father's household, and go to a land God would show him. Not even, not even a place he knew, but a, God, a land God would show him and then become his God. And so he, he leaves and he goes and then time passes, years go by, stories go on. And now you have Abraham with his son who's around 17 years old in this story. And God comes to him, as the scriptures say, to test him. And that just sounds like a dad thing to do, right? Like, I'm just going to see if this guy got what it takes. I'm going to see if he can handle it. I'm going to see if he does as he's told. And so it is a test and it's a test of Abraham's faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. I don't care how many doors you open for people. I don't how much, care how much money you put in the tithing plate. It's impossible to please God without faith in God. It's not about doing. It's not about effort. It's not about work. It's about faith. And so the Bible says that God comes to him to test him. You know what I was thinking, too? It's, it's easy to have faith when things are going well, right? It's easy to have faith when, when life is going the way it should. It's hard to have faith when life isn't going the way you thought it should. It's harder to have faith in God and to trust in God and believe in God when you got a report from a doctor that you didn't expect. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to have faith when your spouse says, I'm out. It's hard to have faith when life doesn't make sense, right? It's easy when life makes sense, but when life doesn't make sense, it's hard. And here we have God comes to Abraham and he says, take your only son whom you love and sacrifice him. Say what? <laughs> Pardon me? Did I did I did I hear you correctly, God? Did this is a, like this is a big deal. Like you want me to do what? Now, for us, 
In our culture, child sacrifice is mind-boggling. Right? This, this context of child sacrifice is mind-boggling. We read things like this and we think, how could God even conceive of such a thing? But Abraham actually came from a nation, from a culture where child sacrifice was, was done often. As, as a ritual act of worship to their gods. They worshiped the f- fertility gods, the gods of sex and pleasure. And they often sacrificed children as a ritual act of worship. And so for Abraham, this was not an unknown concept. From, a, from his young upbringing, he would have been familiar with this idea. But when God called him in Genesis chapter 12 from that land, from that country, from his father's house, he called him out of that practice. And so here he is again. He's saying, he's saying take your son and sacrifice him. Did I, did I hear you correctly? This is also a big deal for Abraham, more so because Isaac, his only son, is actually the promised uh, provision from God to provide for his family. God had a promise for Abraham that said, I'm going to make you into a massive nation. I'm going I'm to create a lineage of people through you. Your descendants are going to be so numerous that you can't even count them. And then one day I got someone that's going to come through your family line and save the entire world. So God had this massive promise for Abraham, but the problem was Abraham and his wife couldn't have kids. They couldn't conceive. They were barren. And so when, they, when God comes to them and says, i got a promise for you, you're going to have so many descendants, you can't even count them. Look up the stars, you can't count. Look at the sand on the seashore, you can't count. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And then they laughed. The scripture says that they laughed because they were old and they couldn't have kids. Uh, we're old, God. We can't have kids. But God comes through when, when, when they didn't have a way. God made a way where there was no way. God provided for them when they couldn't provide for themselves, and they gave them, he gave them a son, Isaac. So when God comes to him and says, take your only son and sacrifice him, he's going, wait a second, this is what you provided me with. Sacrifice was a form of worship, it still is. We don't offer animal sacrifices because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice who died on the cross for our sins, and his blood covered all sin for all time. But we still have sacrifices that we make as a sign of worship. The Bible's talked about a sacrifice of praise. When we gather and we worship, maybe you're not like an expressive kind of individual. You don't like singing because your voice isn't as nice sounding as the person next to you. But we offer a That's why it's called the sacrifice when you sing, right? <laughs> it's a sacrifice of praise, the Bible says. The Bible also says to present ourselves as living sacrifices. That we, that we are to live a life that is a sacrifice. We don't offer animal sacrifices, but we still sacrifice as a way of worship. So the next morning, Abraham doesn't question. Gets up, cuts some wood. Once he's done cutting the wood, he gets the provisions for the sacrifice. Gets a couple servants and his son, 17 years old, and they set out on the journey to worship, to sacrifice his son. It's a journey that will take a few days. A few days. Imagine you're this parent. Imagine you're Abraham. And you're journeying, not like in a car, because we didn't have cars back then, where it might take you like a a few hours to get somewhere. Like it takes you days on foot. You're walking, and you're processing this as it's going on. Because you know at the end of this journey what's going to happen. How hard would that have been? How difficult would that have been? Knowing that at the end of this, you're going to end your son's life, whom you love, for your God. Now, Isaac's not even peeping up at this point, right? Because he's a teenager. Teenagers don't make sense and talk much or think much, right? It's, they, they talk much, but they don't think much. I'm just kidding. Teenagers love you all. That was my son. But Abraham's not, or Isaac's not thinking much at this point, but they arrive at this spot. They arrive at the spot, and Abraham takes the wood, and he gives it to Isaac. He says to the servants, wait here. We're going over there. We're going to worship, and we'll come back to you. 
Abraham's got the knife and he's got the provisions for the fire and they start walking. What's going through his head? What's going through his head? So Isaac's starting to think something, right? Dad? Yeah? Um, I see the wood and you got the knife and the fire, but where's, where's the lamb? And Abraham says something that I just want to pause on. He says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I love this because he didn't know how God was going to provide. He didn't know how. He knew what he was commanded to do. He knew what he was told to do, but he didn't know how. He thought Isaac was the lamb. The Lord will provide. Listen, we don't always know how God is going to provide for us. We don't know how the good father who is a provider is going to provide. He doesn't always tell us how. We're not commanded to know how. Faith is not contingent on your knowing. The faith that is impossible to please God without is not contingent on your knowing the how. It's not. If it was, it wouldn't be faith. Faith happens when we don't know, but we trust anyways. I don't know how, but I trust you. I don't understand this, but I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to take place or how you're going to come through, but I have faith that you will provide. I don't know what. I don't know how. But what I do know is that God is a provider. That's what, that's what Abraham's saying. I don't know how, but I know that he's a provider. And when he calls us and commands us or through his word leads us and reveals his directives, he will see it through it. So Abraham didn't know how. He just knew what. And he had seen it before, too, right? He had seen this before. And so that's also, also something. He's sitting there with a measure of faith that God would provide in this moment, even though he's about to take a journey to sacrifice his son, because God had given the son when, when previously he had no means or ways to have that son. Him and his wife were barren. They couldn't have kids, and they were old age. Everything would say, you cannot have kids ever, period. End of story. But God provided. So, yeah, do you know what? God called me to do something here that I don't understand. I'm about to step into a, a circumstance, a situation that is beyond my control of understanding. And I don't know how you're going to come through, God, but I've seen you come through before. And so I trust in this. I trust in what's ahead, even though I cannot see because I've seen what you've done in the past. Come on, isn't that good? Right? God, I don't know what's ahead. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how, but I've seen what you've done. And so I look ahead and have faith because of what's been done in the past. Can I just tell you, church, if you're going through something, you're about to face something, you got to look back to see what God has done, right? Hindsight's always 20-20, right? We look ahead and we're like, I don't know what, God, you're going to do, but if I look back and I just, I just pinpoint where God showed up, I'm like, oh, yeah, you were there, and you were there, and that's where you provided. He didn't know how, but God provides. So they continue, and they reach the place, and Abraham builds an altar, like builds a physical altar. And I imagine the emotion that's going through his, his heart and his mind as he's building this because now they're moments away. And he takes his son and he binds his son. He ties up his hands and he ties up his legs and he places them on the altar. Now you gotta imagine, there's my alarm. And you gotta imagine Isaac is cluing in at this point because he is tied up laying on the wood where typically there would be a tied up animal laying on the wood. He's cluing in, but the scriptures say that he doesn't pipe up. He doesn't say anything, right? He's not, he's not questioning. He's not arguing. How many would like a child like that, right? Doesn't argue, just does. 
He's not doing anything. He's, he's trusting. He obeys. There was a level of relationship between Abraham and Isaac in this, in this, between this father and this son that even when this father was doing something he didn't understand, he trusted his dad. And that just hit me. Can I just say that's a good dad? Enough love has been built and shared that even in the uncertainty, there is trust in the relationship. Fathers in the room, dads, are you providing for your children emotionally that they, that they trust you in the midst of the unknown? See, I believe that fathers have a way of just establishing security for families just on how they present themselves in situations. And that doesn't mean that you have to give your kids the goodies and, and those kinds of gadgets and everything that makes kids feel like they're on top of the world. But that just means that are you able to, to model faith and trust in God that creates a firm foundation so that when they say, I don't know how, but I think dad would know. I don't know how, but I think dad knows. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to talk to dad. There's enough, there's enough relationship, love, and and. and and certainty shared within this relationship that even in this moment, he is being tied up. He's 17 years old. He knows. He knows what's going on, but he trusts. Isaac trusted Abraham when Abraham spoke of God. God will provide, just like Abraham trusted God. Let me, let me say it this way. Abraham trusted God, so Isaac trusted God. Abraham trusted God, so Isaac trusted God. Fathers, your relationship with Jesus, how you relate to God, will impact your kids' relationship with God. Will impact your kids' relationship with God. That doesn't mean that one day they won't make their own choice, because everybody does. Everybody does. But don't expect different results from them if what you're modeling for them isn't different. Right? Don't expect faith if you're not modeling faith. Don't expect trust in God if you're not modeling trust in God. Mothers, it's the same for you too. Like our kids pick up on not, like and we know this, right? I'm, I'm learning this more and more just because little kids say things without filter. Because they pick up on stuff. And behavior, they pick up on behavior. They pick on, uh, up on how you react to things. How you don't react to things. They pick up on that. They pick up on your faith. They pick up on your trust. Abraham trusted God, so Isaac trusted God. So he's bound him on the, this altar it's the final minutes. The countdown is on. He reaches out his hand to slay his son. Talk about obedience. Talk about obedience. Like, it's like the buzzer moment, church. Knife is raised. Like, God, if you're going to come through, come through now, right? Like, if you're going to show up, this is the moment I need you to show up. And all of a sudden, there's an angel. I don't know how the angel spoke, but it was clear enough for Abraham. Abraham! Whoa, 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 Abraham! Here I am. Here I am. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. So I imagine he said, I'm, I'm here, and he says, you've passed the test. Now I know that you will not withhold from me anything because you did not withhold your son. Can I just say that God does not withhold anything because he did not withhold his son? He did not withhold his son when, when he died on the cross. He says, you cannot make a way to eternity. You have no way of saving yourself from sin, so I'm going to send my only son for you. He did not withhold his son. Abraham did not withhold his only son. He passed the test, and it was in that moment that he sees the ram in the thicket. Right at the last moment, right? The buzzer just went off. He sees the ram in the thicket. Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. Was the ram in the bush caught before, and he just didn't see it? 
possibly, but I thought, I was thinking as I was reading this, that he didn't see the provision until the exact moment he needed the provision. The ram could have been there. It could have been there caught the whole time, but he didn't see it until he needed it. He didn't notice it until he had obeyed right until the very end, right? Sometimes we can't see the provision of God because we give up on God too easily. We say, no way, I'm I'm dropping the knife. I'm not even bounding my kid. I'm not even going on that journey. You want me to do what? I'm not doing that. We give up so we don't see the provision. God's like, I got it, and it's caught for you. It's in the thicket. It's going to, you know, I imagine that he was binding up his son and it's caught in the thicket. But he's just so emotionally caught up in the moment that he doesn't notice it. But he noticed it when he looked up, when the angel said, stop, you won't withhold your son from me. You won't hold anything from me. There's something up ahead. And he looks up and he sees it caught in the thicket. And the knife was raised. And God provided true to his nature. God is the provider, church. He is the provider. Listen, this is not just cliche. He won't give you what you want. He won't give you what you think you need, but he always provides. And our faith in him aligns us with that provision. It's not unlocks the provision. It aligns us with the provision. Our faith. Abraham had faith even when it didn't make sense and obeyed in the belief that God would provide, and God did. And so the Bible says that he called that place the Lord will provide. It's, it's in the original language, if you, if you look at that, it's, it's the word Jehovah Jireh. Some of you remember that, Jehovah Jireh. It means the Lord will provide, but more specifically, it means this. It means the Lord will see to it. He's seen to it. That means he sees what you need, he sees what's going on, and he will see to it. He knows what you need, and whatever he sees, he's acting. We think of provisions in terms of stocking up for a road trip, Right? Or maybe God blesses us with an unforeseen upgrade. All of a sudden we get a, a car and you're like, God provided me with a car, right? Or maybe, or maybe a check comes in the mail, helps you get some bills paid. But this is, this is deeper than that. This is in the context of the most profound needs a person can face. This, this name for God doesn't mean that he's going to give you the goods. It means that he knows what's going on. He sees it. And if you trust in him right until the end, he will see to it. He will see to it. So let me break it down. Two quick points. The good father sees your needs and sees to it, even though you may not see it. Even, you, even though you may not think like you know that he's coming through. Like, I don't see him coming through. He sees it. Number two, if we have faith, we'll align, we'll align ourselves with his provisions. It's not what we want. God is not a genie. He's a good father, and a good father doesn't always give their kids what they want. If I did, my kids would have toys bursting out of the house. But I don't. That is God the Father. Fathers, I I just want to speak to you, and I just got a heart for this. You have a responsibility to do the same. You have a responsibility to do the same, to see the needs of your family and see to it. That doesn't mean that you can give them all the cool gadgets. It doesn't mean you can give them what, you know, the Joneses have next to you. It means you meet them emotionally maybe. Can I just say this too? I think that as people we should celebrate dads even if they're not worth celebrating. Let me say this. This is good stuff. Sometimes you honor someone because they're worth honoring. Right? They're worth honoring, so I celebrate you today. Sometimes you honor someone because you are an honorable person. I don't, I don't honor you because you're honorable. I honor you because I want to be a person of honor. And for me, but Father, I think that my kids will pick up on that. My kids will pick up on that. But fathers, let me say this. Be worthy of this day. 
be worthy of this day. Be worthy of the honor. Be like the Heavenly Father. See to the needs of your family. Provide. That's not financially. But seeing to the needs and meeting them. And model to your family faith in God, the provider. Ultimately, the, the, the truth that's woven within this story is that God provides through Jesus on the cross. That, that's what the, the story foreshadows. That Jesus was the substitute. He was the ram, right? The last minute. He, he, God provided with his son. He did not withhold his son. That he provides eternal salvation. We think God's not giving me food on my table. Or I don't have enough money in the bank or this relationship's sour. Yeah, maybe, but do you know what? You have eternal life. And Jesus, you have eternal life. One day, the Bible says he'll wipe away every tear. The most important thing has been provided. The most important thing. And do you know what? I think as fathers, earthly fathers, we do that. I can't give you all that you want, but I can give you the most important thing, my love. Can I tell you, my kid cares less about the gadgets he has, but more about the fact that I'm playing with him. And it could be a box. Usually it's the box that stuff comes in, right? And like tape or running outside. They want love. They want relationship. And that's what God provides for us through Jesus. That's what God provides. He's the provider. So if anything from this series from today, you take away that God provides. He provides. He's the provider. You may not see it. You may not notice it. It may not be like what you think it is. But sometimes in the last minute, that's when he shows up. And if we have faith in him, we can align ourselves with that provision. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.